0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Broomstick, that podcast that removes some of the woo-woo from the spirituality that you see on social media and opens your eyes to how basic and simple the belief of spirituality is. Today's episode is all about self-awareness, how we can really use kindness to our advantage and thinking about how we address certain things. But I've got a surprise for you too. Uh, You're going to be so excited because later on in the episode, I have the amazing... Laurie Rivers from the Awake Space and Woke Astrology joining us for a little bit of a chat. I have had to break it into two because it's such a long interview. If anyone knows Laurie and I, when we get talking, we don't stop. And we didn't stop. We are talking about all sorts of things, including both of our views on Nostradamus. So if you're interested in that, hang about for that interview Um, and... First of all, I need to thank all of the wonderful and amazing Patreon supporters who have joined in the last week. I've been absolutely blown away by the amount of you. If you don't know about my Patreon, it is in the show notes and it's a new community that I am building and Patreon's not new, but my community on there is new. It is only three weeks, four weeks old. So I'm still loading data loading things and loading content for there so stay tuned we have a discord chat that you get the link for once you join and lots of opportunities different levels have different availability there's a video up there about what i see or have been shown about us politics in the future and you get to choose some of the topics including having your very own podcast which will be up later this week for now thank you to all of the recent patreon supporters which i'm going to say thank you to now and don't forget that if you are a working healer spiritualist whatever the realm if you wish to be included in my newsletter uh, reach out and we will try and arrange something the questions are the same every month just to give a bit of insight into every different journey so let's say thank you to all my patreon supporters who have joined this week i am honestly blown away Uh, jane jacy van rokel cheyenne cummings becky g shirelle brown kelly middendorf EW, Cece, Alita Matthews, Anita, so, oh, it's Alita Matthews and Anita, different people, Luke Top, Cherry Lynn, Jessica P, Tracy Dyer, Jamie De Jeanette, Erin Redmond, Michelle Smith, Nisa Quill, Cam, Tabitha Hosh, karen amy scott bernie kristen lynn christelle pasquala Pasquella, sorry sarah oritz nicole s melody parser trisha heather megan schroeder heidi boyle miller alison eldridge melissa Sharon Ballinger, Irina, Jessica Hunt, SKH444, Christina Garcia, Heather Hunt, Andrea Roach, Amanda Morris, Machia Martin, Sarah Littley, Kate Redfern, Holly Brown, Terry Ass, Terry As, not Terry Ass, Brenda Mahone or Mahone, John Esquivel, Cindy Corona, Jessica Garrison, Jennifer Winchell, Jeanette, Catherine Rose, Shelby, Jess Devera, Lisa Chosed, Nicole, Jillian, V, Ellie, and Maggie Glenn. Thank you all so much for joining up and trusting me. It's going to be a real pleasure to work with you all and build that lovely community. Keep an eye out for some more content um, over the coming months and some specific prediction videos. It's great to have some freedom and talk about some certain topics. Um, I do do a Q&A for Patreon members, but um, I am going to be a little bit stricter about the questions that people ask because there are no stupid questions. Um, this is a tip that someone's given me, but there are very silly ways of wording questions. And I am not the oracle that knows all. I will always be honest about that. Um, And sometimes people don't like the answers to the questions that I have, but there will be an opportunity for me to make videos about certain topics and certain things in current affairs. So thank you again to all of my wonderful Patreon people. So let's start talking about self-awareness and how that can really affect how we behave spiritually spiritually. Self-awareness helps us understand how we react to someone else's words and behavior. I've talked about this a lot, and some of you would will have seen my recent social media posts where I will speak to someone that's made a comment, and a lot of people are go, Why do you give them the time? Why do you bother with them well i bother with them because i'm here to teach and how is someone going to understand the inadequacy of their words and the inadequacy inadequacy of the effect it has on me without me pointing it out i am never bothered by what someone else says on social media it doesn't the words themselves i don't care I'm a medium. I talk to dead people. People have made fun of me my whole life. Do you think that some nobody in a troll account or wanting to get a reaction bothers me? It doesn't. The reality is what bothers me is that they are making a judgment call on one video. They are making a... A statement or questioning something without doing their research it really irks me that somebody comes from a non-spiritual place but they expect spiritual answers I get it with people wanting readings all the time they will f- have a phone call with me that they will have waited two or three months for and they will say what's next what's next what's next is this going to happen is that going to happen they are not interested in what their spirit guides have to say they want predictions they want unicorns and rainbows and they're not willing to listen to anything and you can you can tell from the energy almost immediately happens rarely these days but it does happen when i look on social media and people say or make a judgment about something, especially when they go, well, that's happening now. I work globally. I work and get events and predictions for the whole world. Might not be your corner of the world this week, or it might not always be something that you want to hear. But I'm not here to give you current affairs or news or gossip i'm here to show that spirit are real and therefore that's why i make predictions that's why i do mediumship work but if someone wants to come along and go oh matilda that's already happened or oh xyz has already happened last year well i'm not talking about last year i'm talking about something coming in this is why people need to learn self-awareness one of the big things, and a lot of people will talk about the the MAGA hats and the Trump supporters, and how they say things and make judgment calls, and they claim to be in Christians, etc. And they will make statements that are so untrue and so defamatory, but what they're doing. they're making statements based on what they would do in that situation so they're projecting and that's you know we all know that but if you judge something if it's in another country if it's another person if it's somebody in your family if it's somebody you love if it is somebody in your life if you are making judgments on how they behave or, or react to something or how you expect them to react based on what you would do, you are setting yourself up for failure. If you are talking to someone in a way that is negative and they're asking for your help, that is setting you and them up for failure so many people expect the world to revolve around them and they'll go through social media and somebody will be showing a baby in a cot have you know they're just taking photographs of the baby in the cot and laughing at the baby laughing at the mobile and there will be 759,000 comments that mobile's too low that mobile's too close shouldn't have a mobile on a crib under six months shouldn't have a mobile on a crib under a year shouldn't have a mobile on a crib when they're newborn shouldn't have a bumper shouldn't be taking photographs they shouldn't be in a crib they should be in a carry cot they shouldn't do this they shouldn't do that everyone has to have a comment but not one person will say gee isn't that such a cute photograph of your little boy you must be so proud And I'm now saying to people, think about what you say. Is it necessary? Is it true? And does it need to be said? And is it kind? All of those things should run through everybody's mouth or brain before they open their mouth. The biggest thing about self-awareness is that if you judge somebody on the actions that you would take in a situation, then you cannot be thinking about them you are thinking about yourself and that is one of the biggest things to take away when it comes to just being just being kind I had to go through a period of time many many years ago when I became very much more self-aware about my actions and how maybe Um, self-absorbed i was and how the world needed to revolve around me for a period of time i was angry with so many people because they didn't behave in a way that i expected them to but that was on me that wasn't on them and one of the biggest things i learned is that everyone goes through their own path everybody is individual if you want to judge Judge yourself and whether you are being kind and making a kind difference in someone's life. After that period of time when I became less self-absorbed, I started just interacting with people at the shops. Say, the cashier, asking them how their day was, making sure that I said hello to people, reaching out if they needed something. You do not have to give a huge amount of yourself so that you're exhausted and you're always helping people, but really thinking about how you react to someone else's words, needs, what they are doing. Are you making a judgment on what you want and you expect rather than on what the other person needs and what they want? People do it with their children all the time. I want them to go to this university because that's where I went and all of my friends, their kids got into prestigious universities so I'm going to push and push my child to get into that university because it's gonna make me look good. They don't care about the child. They don't care about what they want, who their friends are, where they're going to be more comfortable. I am not going to like that person because they work in a shoe shop. Well, that person may well have had a senior corporate job for many years and have chosen peace over stress. We do not know what other people's journey is. The constant criticism and judgment on social media starts with everybody. Even if you don't want to make a comment or comment on the actual video, just leaving a kind word there is a website in the UK called tattle I don't know if anyone's heard of this it is the most atrocious obnoxious rude disgusting website I have ever come across I came across it because there's three or four uh, creators in the UK all of them have children And this website's main goal is to criticise, put down, pull apart people's looks, their parenting skills. They have even gone so far as calling the CPS on somebody that had just had a baby. This person is an amazing parent of two children. But because the toddler was walking around without a nappy or they were having people over to celebrate... Perfectly safe situation, these people took it upon themselves to phone CPS. They've even phoned one person's school and the CPS because this woman doesn't give her child vegetables at every meal. How self absorbed and self important do you have to be to cause that sort of harm and stress onto another person? That's on seriously. I, I will question anybody that makes a statement or judgment on someone else more than i would question the person that may have done something a little bit dodgy the, the the travis kelsey thing when he was in the super bowl he got in it with his coach he didn't behave particularly well was he abusive they they hugged it out two minutes later that wasn't shown on social media the amount of people saying that travis kelsey was a red flag and Taylor Swift needs to run and he's going to be a wife beater and he obviously can't manage his emotions. Have never, ever watched a kid's sports game with the parents kicking off in the background. If you want to live in your own little cuckoo nest, pretending to be greater and holier than thou, don't throw stones at glass houses. Don't because I will call you out, especially when you come on a spiritual page and make unspiritual statements, which you have chosen to make without looking at anything else when you're uneducated in spirituality. I will call you out. If you wanna come on my page just for the predictions, you can get lost because I expect even in the comments, I blocked a lot of people that were starting to push about, Kate's illness and saying horrible things about the king, even horrible things about Biden and Trump. If you are nasty, I will block you. You don't have to be sitting there holding hands and singing Kumbaya, but you have to be respectful of the other people in the group. And that's not me trying to control the narrative. That is me teaching that spirituality has boundaries. Just because I'm a spiritual person, just because I talk to dead people, Doesn't mean to say that I have to be sunny and bright and let people overstep boundaries that I set. On a personal level for everyone, if you are looking at working with spirit, if you are looking at moving into some form of modality that involves spiritual work, get your self-awareness in check. Get your bias in check because that is incredibly important because... If you have a bias doing a personal reading or a judgment call on how someone behaves then you are not going to be able to give an ego free reading I talk to all sorts of people I make no judgments about lifestyles choices whatever people choose my messages come from spirit they don't come from me and what sort of medium would I be if I entered my own ego into my readings a lot of this really does come with experience and learning about ourselves sometimes we have to lean into realizing that our behavior and the way that we talk to other people and judge other people on what we would choose is all about our own triggers and again if you've listened to last week's podcast which is talking about our triggers and our shadow work etc that really does help you so now on to the exciting bit here is my interview or my talk because it wasn't really an interview it was really a talk about all things astrological including some Nostradamus for you to enjoy Well, as promised, we have the amazing Miss Laurie Rivers from the Awake Space here with us today, who's going to talk to us about different forms of astrology and the ones that she practices in and how they work together with other modalities of metaphysics. So welcome, Laurie. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me, Matilda. This is so exciting. I love it when we get to work together me too we're like peanut butter and jelly we are
0: we are um first of all you've been practicing astrology as a whole including starting learning and educating yourself since when
1: 1995.
0: wow yeah that's such a long time and when did you There's Oda. Oda's always got to join us. Whenever we're having a conversation, Oda has to join in. She doesn't like
1: being left out, does she? She does oh. not. I'm sorry, I politely muted myself. That's yeah, okay. She does not like to be out of it. She's, she's an Aussie. Uh-huh.
0: Well, that's just that, that she's joining us today. So yes. in 1995, yeah. just tell me a little bit, in a nutshell, tell all of us in a nutshell, how you started out and what Got, led you down the path of astrology
1: well it it fell into me uh much like all metaphysics kind of fell into me you know tarot showed up when i was 18 because i wandered into mysteries bookstore in london and it promptly freaked me out because i'm intuitive and being intuitive really freaked me out um as it does if you haven't had any training or you know teaching you know especially back then and so in 95, I was living in Bahrain, and the internet was new, and the first internet cafe opened in the summer of 95, and it was owned by an American professor who was semi-retired named Dr. Ballas. And I was very excited about the internet because I was shown it by a professor in university back in 1988, and he told me to keep my eye on it. And he said, Lori, if anyone can change the world with this, it'll be you. And I said, whatever. You know, I didn't know I was 19. So in 95, I go to this internet cafe and I offer, because it was very expensive back then to use the internet. I offered to teach people how to use computers in exchange for time online. My life was a mess, even though I'd done everything right, even though I had checked off all the boxes and was an overachiever, my life was falling apart and psychology at the time was (laughs) really sucked and I couldn't find any good answers to healing. So I went down the metaphysical rabbit hole, even though it freaked me out. And one day I landed on a website by Jonathan Kainer, who was a famous British astrologer.
0: I remember Jonathan.
1: Oh, he was lovely. You know, he he passed on to spirit in 2016, but he was a lovely, lovely man. And he had a, a message board called AstroChat. Now, like everybody else, I knew nothing about astrology. I kind of thought it was Hokum and Bunkum. And um, especially the way people talked about it, it but it, it kind of reminded me of psychology at the time, which wasn't very good in the 90s. It's come an amazing distance since then. Um, and so I went on and I had been reading Linda Goodman's Sun Science, and it wasn't very impressed with how things were described. And I was left more confused than clear and so I asked a simple question Am I a Cancer or a Leo? Because I was born on July 21st. And I got all these technical answers given to me by well meaning people that made no sense. And that's why I work very hard at trying to speak about astrology in more understandable ways. And an Australian astrologer named William Mason took pity on me after my response was in a very cancerian manner, cut the techno crap and tell me what I am. (laughs) (laughs) That was my response. And he said, hold on, darling, give me this information. He wanted my date and time and place of birth. And he said, I'll get back to you within the week. All right. All right. What's your email address? And he had private message to me. And I thought, well, he's in Australia. I'm in, Embar- I'm in Brian. It's all right. You know? And so I gave him my information and he sent back a 20 page email, meticulously written out, not a computerized report, but just meticulous detail about me that no one else could know. No that one I else see. could know about me. Yeah. And it, blew my mind and at the end of the email he said i want to teach you astrology because if there was ever anyone born to be an astrologer it's you wow and i said i'll prove you wrong
0: (laughs) (laughs) so do those things show up in your natal chart
1: yes they do yeah yeah, they do. It's more complex than having, you know, positions in the 11th house, which was governed, you know, governs astrology or having Aquarius placements. You know, that's a lot of times on, on social media, you'll hear that it's a factor, but the whole of my chart points to being both, an, you know, somebody who's highly analytical, which you have to be to be an astrologer. And a metaphysician, which is somebody who works at understanding life and the cosmos and the connection between spirit and physicality. And being a teacher, you know, whatever, I'll teach how to bake bread. you know. <laughs> and so all of that combined, plus some mundane markers for astrology, we're in the chart. I mean, he wasn't wrong. So he holds that over me when we do connect. We, we still connect once in a while maybe once a year for
0: Christmas. (laughs) Fantastic. Mm -hmm. And you, there is a big difference between natal astrology, which a lot of people Mm -hmm. specialize in, or they talk about on social media, or even refer Mm -hmm. to in their own personal life, and the mundane Mm -hmm. astrology, which you use to predict world events. Yes. Can you explain that a little, in a little bit more detail? And Maybe a little bit about the history of where mundane astrology first read its head. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, the first thing I will say is I'm very fortunate to be a skilled mundane astrologer, being an astrologer of my generation, because there's not a whole lot of us. Because it went out of fashion in the 1960s when astrologers globally were attempting, in Western tropical astrology, which is the branch of astrology that I do it went out of fashion because they were trying to legitimize us and they were trying to become psychology adjacent. And so there was a lot of emphasis on Freud and Jung. Um, and I'm I love Jung, but he would have been the first to say he wasn't the end-all-be-all, all, and things needed to progress beyond his understanding. And so Mundane astrology was very, very out of fashion in the 90s and even 2000s because the astrologers in the generation above me and the one just above that were saying we weren't fortune tellers. Mm-hmm. And and what's really funny in the historical records, like what we know about astrology in the Islamic Empire in like the 11th century, there are full like documented debates between religious scholars about whether they could use astrology or not and have it be considered okay religiously because there were soothsayers Mm -hmm. in the marketplace yeah basically doing pop astrology right and then there were the real astrologers who were using it like data science right and they were astronomers most of the ancient astronomers regardless of culture or country where they were astrologers. And so it's been conflated. So natal astrology is really, really new in human history. It really started in the 19th century and got a lot of traction in the 1960s and seventies, eighties, nineties. And it didn't really progress the way neuroscience and um, psychology has progressed. So it kind of got stuck in that 60s, 70s mindset. The ancients didn't really care about your personality. They had a very fixed idea of human behavior. There were very fixed archetypes. And they didn't care about regular people. Regular people didn't even know what day they were born, let alone the hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they knew if it was hot. They knew if it was cold. Maybe. Maybe
0: yeah because that's always confounded me whereas being knowing where you were born what country mm-hmm. and what time mm-hmm. is a pretty new thing
1: very new very new only emperors generals people of the highest status had that recorded because they had something valuable they owned land commodities businesses people um <laughs> you know they owned yeah. things And so you that people marked their times, but they weren't analyzing their personalities, they were looking at events. Is your life in danger? Is, is this a good time to start a war? Is this a good time to challenge a political rival? That's what they were looking at. They weren't looking at, you know, hey, your mommy didn't give you what you needed as an infant, you know, they they didn't care about that stuff at all, you know, and so it helps to be a bit of a historian, and I am also a political analyst by training. And I'm I specialized very firmly in a particular region of the world. But I also studied cultural anthropology very, very heavily. I minored in that Um, should have had a double major in it, but my college, my university didn't do that. So (laughs) I look at things from a little different angle than even most of the people at my experience level do because of that academic background. And I do a lot of study on the matter, but yeah. So when it comes to mundane astrology and political events, natural events, it's anything without agency would be covered by mundane events um that that's mundane it's very meticulous in its rules and it is very much like a data science we have a lot of uh history and and accumulated knowledge that's built upon itself so we know you know people have said these are the directions you know like it north south east west north by northwest And then you have to have the knowledge base to apply to what could North by Northwest to my location look like, right? How many countries, you know, and which countries and why, and that would just be geography. That's how I get like, what region the earthquakes are going to be in.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I, um, I understand it because often um, people have pointed this out on social media that our, predictions will line up Mm -hmm. but you will have a lot more context behind especially the political predictions. Mm -hmm. I pay no heed to media, news Mm -hmm. um, and I Mm -hmm. cover so many countries with my predictions. I'm I'm a global Mm -hmm. medium and I cannot have bias. I can't because The message doesn't come from me whereas mm-hmm. you're able to put a lot of context behind what you're saying because you've got the experience mm-hmm. and the knowledge and the history and you've studied certain areas mm-hmm. and that's the biggest difference between the two of us or apart from you're very very
1: scientifically um gifted and able to read charts well that took study my brain melted let me tell you it took the first three years of studying astrology, it was eight hours a day, seven days a week. I was obsessed. Once I started seeing correlations and I got beyond the ABCs of astrology, you know, which is knowing your glyphs, understanding what is where in the chart, that's ABCs and most people run past that way too fast. Right. Um, I treated astrology like I was learning a foreign language and because I've learned foreign languages, I was very, very thorough in doing the very basics first instead of trying to write a novel. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's what most people are doing. They go from learning their ABCs to trying to read, you know, Tolski, uh, Tolstoy, you know, and you're not going to understand Tolstoy if you just learned your ABCs, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it takes time and dedication. So I was obsessed with this, like every waking hour, my daughter's earliest toddler memories are of sitting on my lap while i studied astrology charts. Wow. She remembers the chart, she, she can feel the paper on the table. And you know, so yeah. So it takes a lot of dedication. And as far as the details, I see, you know, we see the dates, the places, the times, um when it comes to predicting bias is not in there because like i predicted the 2016 us election and i got a lot of flack for it i was in political astrology groups on facebook and i was like this is this is what the outcome is going to be and people are like oh you support them and i'm like no i don't no i don't in fact I don't even like that particular person but i can see they have the transits um now i do editorialize today and show bias on certain subjects because there were so many people pretending to be unbiased who weren't right and so i felt there needed because with the QAnon stuff, staff <laughs> i felt there needed to be a counter voice and so yeah. it was a difficult decision because as a professional you do try to be as unbiased as possible but um I still do, you know, whatever politician it is, I'll be like they'll win or they'll lose. They have the transit, they don't have the transit, period.
0: Yeah. It's it's amazing though that you get accused of being left, right, up, down, but you're just mm-hmm. delivering the information. It doesn't That's have it. to have a bias mm-hmm. to it. It's because mm-hmm. they're not able to receive the information mm-hmm. that makes them want to point out a bias.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's when people don't like the mess. That's where we got the don't shoot the messenger. Yeah. You know, and that it came from people who were oracles, whether they were psychic or they were astrologers or that's why eclipses are considered malefic. Did you know that? No. (laughs) Eclipses are considered malefic because it usually indicates there's some kind of physical event, like a natural event. Yep. Okay. And which is usually bad news for a leader. And so uh-huh. the astrologer <laughs> would have to go tell the emperor, the king, the general, whoever they were working for, um, there's this thing coming and it's going to mean this. And you could lose your head. And so that's why astrologers are like, "Oh shit, here it comes, ah, uh, you know, and it's kind of this generational trauma uh, you know if you are not a world leader freaking out about an eclipse other than your environment, if it's visible in your environment, you need to be careful of the environment itself um but if it's if it, it it's not you, that's gonna have the problem. It's gonna be somebody who's higher up the food chain
0: it's yeah maybe that teaches me a lesson of not to deliver any news at all during an eclipse so that the social media people don't come after me because oh we get shot many times
1: oh my god yeah well i think there's also a misunderstanding about what it is to make a prediction what an accuracy rating looks like. There is not one person who's going to get a hundred percent correct ever. Absolutely, there's nobody that can. Mm-mm. It's impossible. But having over over seventy percent makes you exceptional, just on statistics. Over seventy percent is is like really phenomenal. Anything over eighty percent might as well be considered 100 percent as far as like accuracy and that's where you and i kind of dovetail we both hit in the high 80s on our predictions you know like we could probably brag and go we're up in the early 90s you know um i don't know i try to be a little humble once in a while
0: i try and be humble but it's also pointing out what Mm -hmm. how is a prediction a prediction and when Mm -hmm. to say it's right or it's wrong because we don't it's not like we've got somebody writing out exactly what that prediction (laughs) is going to be on the third wednesday of july um, right somebody called john is going to do xyz in this city we don't get it like that we have to translate (laughs) we translate your charts with your intuition and i get my information from my guides yeah and there really is a lack of information or knowledge around different modalities when it comes to metaphysics.
1: One hundred percent, there is like people do not understand how it works,
0: <laughs> and that's why they be, they put their trust into the wrong people because oh God, yeah. they they think that somebody that tells them something without proving their ability is right.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: um and also you know on social media if they've got the really high following they must be really Mm -hmm. good at what they do Mm -hmm. they're just good performers
1: yeah they're very good at setting up great videos i wish i was so skilled um (laughs) you and me both (laughs) right um (laughs) am i correct i mean we talk offline people we don't discuss predictions just so people know once in a while we'll talk about our past predictions or if we both feel something's brewing and i can see something's coming i'll be like whoa what are you getting about that there's something big and it's nebulous and is it nebulous for you because it's nebulous in the chart you know um we'll talk about that but often laurie and i will get
0: emotions that we can't explain Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. lead up to something two or three weeks before an event and we're trying then to get the information as to what that event could be because if it's
1: impacting Mm -hmm. us weeks before it's gonna be big it's gonna be really big and so that's the intuitive side that's not the astrology side so when because i am naturally very psychic um but not comfortable i'm too freaking sensitive um that's why i like the the buffer astrology gives me because it isn't emotional It's mental and that grounds me. Whereas if I was in the realm of feeling all the Mm -hmm. time, I'd be a puddle and a mess. So, um, my kudos to you and your particular chart makeup for giving you (laughs) the ability to do what you do without becoming a puddle. But I do get feelings and that I will look at charts and go, okay, I feel like something's coming. What's, where's the astrology at? And that's where yeah. we do talk shop and be like do you feel it's like here like i'm seeing in the charts it could be in that direction but it could also be over here sometimes we do talk shop just like any other set of professionals well you need that you actually
0: need to have a peer to be able to sometimes decompress which is yes <laughs> there's a big amount <laughs> of decompression that's needed and that's really helpful but we have found yeah. supporting each other through Um, And navigating, I suppose, the public outcry that we sometimes have um, is is helpful for us because nobody else would ever understand how we feel. And often I find it very hard to manage people's expectations. That's where i don't worry about delivering i've spoken about this before with you laurie when i'm doing a reading it's very much to me i go in and i go out because if i get attached to the emotion of the reading that's when i stop delivering at my best but the expectations especially on social media and a friend of mine moderated for me the other day and she said, oh my God, the amount of questions that just get thrown at you. Yeah. And me being me wants to be able to help as many people as possible. Yeah. But I've really had to just switch off from the demands of people yeah. because that's where I find the most emotion for me.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. It can be a lot. And, um, it's where good moderators are worth their weight in gold and having filtered words in, in the comments and people will be upset when we don't want to answer all their questions. Um, but they're also not always asking good questions. Yeah. And there, there's no stupid question, but there's poorly crafted questions.
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because
1: Yeah. The quality of the question determines the quality of the answer and yeah. so and
0: yeah when you're answering asking such a massively open question you're asking somebody to cast a massive wide net over an area
1: how can you yeah. answer that i don't when people are like gemini thoughts I'm like <laughs> i have no thoughts when you ask me a question like that i have no thoughts that's that's a very poorly crafted question
0: yeah, I yeah. just get thrown the country.
1: What's happening in
0: this country? Well, What's in I France? get that too.
1: And I'll be like, if I don't have the chart in front in front of me, I'm not going to tell you. First of all, um, I need the chart. I don't commit stuff to memory as far as charts go um, because I don't have room in my brain for all of that. I have to be agile. And so I, I have a rest of my life that has to function. So my brain does not does not memorize everything on purpose yeah and and that's the same as me the messages you get from spirit i don't remember Mm -hmm.
0: things i barely know what day of the week it is some days i'm so busy and (laughs) expecting me to remember a prediction that i made 12 months ago um Mm -hmm. i just i don't remember um
1: yeah i don't remember either
0: and we did talk about this. Um, mm-hmm. We have talked about this offline, so I'm going to surprise you with this question and mm-hmm. I can edit it out if you don't like it. That's all right. We had talked about, I raised something with you this week about everyone's talking about Nostradamus and the stuff yeah. that was said for 2024. And I came to you and I just said, this is what I am getting Uh as far as those events and i'll be Uh honest i'm getting that it it depicts a period of time that has already way past but people are trying to make it fit to 2024 yep and what are your thoughts on that (laughs) first of all i (laughs) think anybody should i I Um, send a a gin down
1: (laughs) well this is for public consumption so i'll keep i'll keep my language clean uh (laughs) i think anybody people who use Nostradamus as a qualifier for their content or what they think they're talking about are usually full of caca. Um, (laughs) wasn't that nice? I was working very hard there. Uh, most people have to understand Nostradamus lived in the 16th century in France. And yes, he wrote out predictions, he was an astrologer and i can tell you as a mundane astrologer okay so did he practice mundane or natal astrology there was no natal astrology then either he was doing mundane and so he also would have given no shits about england he was Mm -hmm. french think about the time period okay (laughs) (laughs) so when people are terrible students of history I, I honestly think, I don't think you're wrong, given what we were discussing the other night. I think that's a possibility in the, because again, as an astrologer, I deal in possibility and probability, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So everything's possible, or we have a range of possibilities, and then we narrow it down into probabilities. He would not have been speaking, in fact, the whole, like a king who was not supposed to be a king. Right. Um, mm-hmm. That outcome, I do not see evident in any of the astrology today, none, Mm -hmm. none. There's no evidence of that. You could knock me over with a feather if Bob Wakeley from South Oxley, London (laughs) gets to be king because that's what he would be talking about. He would not be talking about somebody in succession. Uh if it was somebody who was not supposed to be king you have to understand how royalty works so most americans don't know jack about squat when it comes to that okay Mm -hmm. i too have a global audience um (laughs) because uh, i do mostly talk about america because it's where i live but um but no and most people can't read the french which is complex and it's very obscure
0: It's incredibly obscure it is Mm -hmm. people say that i'm vague Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and i can tell you i was looking at 2020 in 1997. yeah okay because i had an elder astrologer and when i say elder the man was in his 90s okay? okay he gets a hold of me and says you need to look at this year because you have children Everything will change, Lori. You must study this chart diligently. And he gave me a range of dates to look at. And and so I was two years in, but I was two years in, which is somebody who's really fast at learning and had been immersed, okay? Again, eight hours a day for two years. I was not just reading once in a while, like learning yeah. once in a while. I looked at that chart and it scared the hell out of me. I didn't know if we were looking at global thermal nuclear war. I didn't know if we were looking at natural disasters to the point of ruining society. And so it almost drove me crazy. I studied that chart from nineties the charts of 2020 and then also 2025. And no, I'm not going to talk about 2025. Let's get through 2024. <laughs> yeah, That's let's get through always the <laughs> Because looking at the future can drive you crazy because you are looking at it out of context. Yeah. So the one thing I knew from the get-go was that all of our structures would change and they would change over time, but there would be a large society-changing event. When the pandemic occurred, I was honestly relieved because it meant it was a much slower change. Yes, it has changed the landscape of the global economy. Yes, it changed supply chain. Yes, it is changing how organizations function. And we will see those changes over the next 40 years. But it was not the change I thought that would be abrupt when I was a younger astrologer out of context. So if you're trying to look, 200 300 400 years into the future there is zero context add your intuition go ahead sorry the change, between, sorry,
0: the change mm-hmm. between what life was then and now yeah,
1: yeah.
0: is massive and i'm trying to explain yeah. this to a lot of people yeah. that even if you are in one country and you are judging somebody in another country or mm-hmm. doing another job or another mm-hmm. lifestyle, mm-hmm. that's big enough because yeah. you're judging them on your standards. Yeah. But to judge someone's writings about now from hundreds of years ago.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. We didn't have mo- – some people probably don't realise we didn't have mobile phones back then.
1: Sorry. I'm just. I will argue we barely had printed books that were not handwritten because Gutenberg was just getting the printing press going when Nostradamus was alive.
0: Exactly. Let Mm -hmm. alone not many people actually able to read and transcribe.
1: Yep. Yep yeah reading did not become ubiquitous to the general population till the 19th century in most of the developed what is considered the developed world
0: and that would also depend Um, on where you were socioeconomic
1: status as to whether it was worth teaching you to read or not Mm -hmm. and your gender very few women Like, my great grandmother, born in 1899, was engaged at 17. Her engagement photo has her reading a book. That was highly significant. Because she wasn't allowed to go on to high school and university because back then you had to pay for it. All of her brothers went. Of course. But she was a girl. So... (laughs) I mean, hell, in 1990, when I graduated from university in England and I went to job interviews at be- just before graduation, I was trying to get gamefully employed. And my name is a man's name in England. So I got all these interviews, right? And oh. I didn't even think about it, right? I it literally <laughs> but- crossed my mind. And every time I'd show up and they'd call my name, they'd say, Oh, we're done interviewing for the day. And they'd send me out. And finally, the last one that did it, he was a stodgy old guy in his stodgy old three-piece suit and he he was probably pushing 70 you know in 1990 and I, he he said oh we're not hiring women today and, <laughs> and i was like excuse yeah. me sir yeah so you shouldn't try to fool people with calling yourself lori and i was like uh sir that is my name my parents gave me you know <laughs> so wow I, and i was like is this 1950 so i don't uh-huh. think people understand how things. you're right they, they don't understand historically how things have changed how it would look and i can tell you i don't like looking out at the future beyond a couple years for deep study because of what i learned looking out 20 years it nearly drove me crazy yep
0: yeah i totally understand so nostradamus mm-hmm. i f- i feel and you as you say i mm-hmm. could be right my theory was that it
1: was set you know i think it was a
0: hundred years
1: mm-hmm. around a hundred yeah right? well you were saying you were thinking it was in the 30s and i think you weren't off by much because we're on the flip side of the 30s astrologically right know, so we're, mm-hmm. we're on the opposite and learning the lessons that didn't complete yeah um, because human beings operate slowly Uh, and we've had a vast amount we've had a vast amount of change Um, because i studied um i studied uh, it's hard to describe what it is i think it's it's not human development but i studied under h stephen glenn phd who was the founding researcher of resiliency who did the original research in 1973 okay and the the programs he developed because his (laughs) he worked for the u.s government and they squished his information he was trying to stop the school to prison pipeline in the 70s Uh, yeah right Mm -hmm. yeah so anyway wonderful man had been appointed to international positions national positions so primo expert um he created a program that helped instill resiliency in children and adults. And it was designed to work with parents to see their children. I know you're going to be shocked by this as people really. Yeah. As people. Mm. And honestly, when I taught this program that was to court ordered parents, that was often the big takeaway. (laughs) My children are people yes they are anyway um he I'm just, I was would point, make a
0: joke then about boomer parents
1: but i'll leave that out there were quite a few um yes. and grandparents but um he pointed out in his training now he wrote the training and he wrote the books that went along with it in the 80s and 90s okay So this is from the 1980s and nineties. This is what dawned on me in my training in 2001, my original training with him, because I was like, Oh my God, when he's talking about kids, he's talking about my age. I was a teenager in the eighties. We from 1930 to 1985 changed technologically at a rate of 500 years, every six months wow compared to our ancestors so einstein wasn't wrong about our technology superseding our humanity it's not that technology was bad it's just we didn't focus on upgrading our own ability to understand everybody has a unique perspective everybody is that's where natal astrology gets interesting right so i brought that to natal astrology but um but we've grown so much that we've kind of, you know, it's like we've got a ripped pair of jeans going on right now.
0: So what I have done with the rest of that interview is I have popped it into my Patreon. It is not behind a paywall, so anyone can go along and listen to it Uh, purely because it, it was very long. There's a lot more interesting conversation that goes on. But if you want to catch up on the rest of that interview and the conversation with laurie rivers please do uh go along to my patreon the link is in the show notes now that just about concludes today's episode and um, i hope you've enjoyed it Um, i hope that you got something out of both the talk about self-awareness and how that factors into spirituality and the interview conversation with Laurie rivers i'm going to conclude by talking about a past reading as i do every week Um, and today's conversation is going to be about a family that came to me i really want to say 10 years ago and they came as a family so on mass i don't often do um group readings for families it's usually single readings so it was it's a little bit scary for me but as they walked in i felt as if i became a really young girl Uh, when i say young i'm gonna go 10 years old i think she was um and i just turned to the mum and I said, I like your hair like that. Did you cut it specifically for today? And she looked at me and she said, I was talking to my daughter who had passed over and about how I was going to get my hair cut, especially how she liked it for today. And the colors I had added in. So she had very blonde hair, but she had like pink streaks put in the blonde hair. And it wasn't really obvious, but this little girl turned to mum and said, I'm really liking your hair. The conversation flowed from there. Her brother, who was a good eight years older than her, had been in the car with her when they had been involved in a tragic accident. They were with family friends and he had survived and she had not she turned and and wanted me to address her brother and she used a specific nickname that she had used for him when they were together as kids he was uh he was in his early 20s at this stage so the accident happened a long time ago And he had spent many, many years feeling guilt for surviving that accident when his precious younger sister hadn't. And all she wanted to do was tell him how it was not his fault, it was the way that it happened, that she had been around him and she talked about his school graduation and his university graduation and the fact that he had taken some of her dress from a special occasion and it was sewn in every suit jacket that he had worn at different occasions every suit jacket he'd grown out of he'd had a new piece of this material sewn into the lining and she was able to tell him all about that and that She had been present for all of his big occasions. And the thing that stood out the most was she said, I would have been a bridesmaid next week, wouldn't I? And I had to ask him that. And he just looked up and he said, I'm getting married next Saturday. And yes, yes, she would have been our bridesmaid. And that feeling that they were able to get the peace that they needed, especially her brother, before his big day and knowing that his little sister was going to be with him just really makes my job worthwhile well I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and don't forget to tune in next week for the next episode of Beyond the Wednesday and pop across to Patreon to listen to the rest of the conversation with